What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to discuss the uh, certain timing of personnel moves and just the benefit of having a plan from the front office's perspective. So um, an example I'm going to use basically to, to continue talking about this exact topic is the current one that I tweeted out and posted on Instagram yesterday of the Carolina Panthers' current wide receiver position in terms of uh, what to do with one of the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL right now in Curtis Samuel uh DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. The reason why I think that's relevant is because the Panthers also have two offensive linemen set to become uh, unrestricted free agents right now this offseason, and that's Taylor Moten and Russell Okung. So of these guys, Moten, Okung, and Curtis Samuel are all currently free agents. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are going to uh, have one more year left on their contracts before they hit free agency. Now, DJ Moore does also... I'm sure the Panthers will pick up his fifth-year option. So that's also an option for Carolina in terms of DJ Moore. But for all intents and purposes right now, Moore and Anderson are entering a contract year because Anderson only was signed to a two-year deal last year. And Curtis Samuel is a free agent this year. So the one thing that you just inexplicably – it would just almost be crazy to imagine this happening. But Carolina going for one season in Matt Rule's first year having – what is believed by many to be the best trio or at least the top five or top three best trio of wide receivers in the NFL, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. You could see them going, and this is realistic if you don't have the right plan in place. You could see them going from having that trio to just two years later having none of those guys. Like It's, it's possible, you know what I mean? Or at least just having DJ Moore for the fifth year option year and then after that having none of them. So that's a possible scenario. Now, obviously, it's not likely, and the reason it's not likely is because the Carolina Panthers organization is most likely going to have a plan in place to make sure that doesn't happen. I think that the ideal scenario would be for them to at least have two of these guys for you know in, uh, in two years from now, to have them locked up under contract to where you're like, okay, we still have one of our strengths is still strong, right? Because in my, it's my belief that building a team um, – you kind of have to play in some regards the hand that you're dealt, meaning if you have a strength at the receiver position, right, then that means continue to strengthen that strength and kind of build around that strength, right? Because it's difficult to have a position be so strong that it's amongst a top five in the NFL. So regardless of that position, whether it's a quote unquote primary position or whatever, I think it's important to you know, to keep those strengths strong, even if they're not the most valuable of positions, which in my opinion, wide receiver is not. Um, I definitely see the value in it, but I don't think it's, you know, the most valuable. Like, um, I think that if Teddy Bridgewater would have had the best offensive line in the NFL he and, and very limited options at receiver, I think he would have been able to at least put up the exact same numbers he did in this past season, which obviously from a statistical standpoint, especially from a touchdown passing standpoint Teddy didn't necessarily go off last year they get like 15 touchdowns so um anyways so some scenarios I want to throw at you right scenario one would be if the Panthers were to prioritize the offensive line let's say I'm just saying here are different possible scenarios of what their actual plan is they could prioritize the offensive line they could re-sign Taylor Moten and to the you know non-acceptance of many fans they could re-sign Russell Okung because Okung didn't play many games in the 2020 season. And I think, um, you know, it, it. most Panther fans are not really on board with keeping him. But 
What Russell Okung is, is a very good left tackle and a very good pass blocking left tackle in the NFL. That right there makes him invaluable in and of itself. Okay, so if they were to re-sign Okung and Taylor Moten, um, they could probably also get at least one of these receivers re-signed, which would likely be DJ Moore in that case. And I think that a lot of criticism would be heaped down upon them. But in my opinion, I wouldn't be mad at them. I really wouldn't be all that mad at them if they chose to do that. Scenario two would be to basically tell yourself, look, if we don't get the quarterback that we want at number eight, or if we can't trade up for that quarterback, we believe very strongly, and that this you would have to believe this very strongly, that at the eighth overall pick, we'll be able to grab somebody we covet as an offensive tackle, right? You, if you're gonna walk, if you're gonna let Taylor Moden and Russell Okung walk out the door, you better have a plan in place that almost ensures that you're gonna get the guy that you want. Because if you let those guys walk out the door, I'm not quite sure if you're gonna. By that logic, you're going to sign somebody else off the street as a free agent to replace them. I mean, if you do so, it will be a much lesser player because if you were if you're trying to pinch pennies at that position, then you might as well. Um, I mean, you're going to have a lesser player. You know, that's just the way it works. Better players make more money, right? <laughs> Astonishing. Anyways, I think that you'd have to most likely be crossing your fingers in hopes to get that offensive tackle you want at number eight, which is reasonable because it's number eight. And you'd also, in that case, you'd re-sign, I believe, at least two of those three uh, receivers, right? And then most likely in that case, if you're going to re-sign two of them without any of the offensive tackles, I think that the two you'd re-sign would be DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson because they're obviously they're more expensive options, but you have that extra money because of the fact that you're not you're not paying big money to the offensive tackle in the same class. So I think that DJ and Robbie would be the answers in that scenario. Another scenario I, I could see is. Uh, and this is kind of the one I'm leaning towards just because I believe it's the best value of the bunch, right? If you if you were to sign Curtis Samuel now, right, you would pay him something I, I posted yesterday. It would be somewhere around the Tyler Boyd, uh, Tyrell Williams contract, about 10 to $11 million per year, maybe even $12 million a year. I could see that happening with Curtis because uh, he's so young at this point, you know. But maybe if it was like a three-year, $33 million with like 25 guaranteed, some outrageous amount guaranteed, I think. Curtis would consider that just depending on if he wants that versus a like five year, uh, you know, front loaded contract with not all that much guarantee. Like if it's whatever catches your eye, right? Curtis could easily get a five year, $75 million deal with 30 guaranteed, like in the 30 guaranteed come in the first two years. But if I'm him, I'm interested in taking a three year deal because I think he's like 23, 24 years old. So he could potentially set himself up for an even bigger payday in a few years. But point I'm making here is let's say they sign Curtis to a four-year, $44 million contract, right? And they do that right now. Then you could extend either um, Taylor Moten and DJ Moore or, yeah, in this case, I would say that to extend Taylor Moten and DJ Moore and then allow Robbie Anderson after the 2021 season to walk knowing that in all likelihood you will pick up a third round compensatory pick for allowing Robbie to walk. I think that right there is a scenario that catches my eye. And the reason it catches my eye is because number one, you're okay. So you're essentially replacing, you're choosing Curtis Samuel over Robbie Anderson. And the reason you're doing that is because you also, not only do you save five or $6 million a year, because as I said yesterday, in my post, Robbie Anderson is likely going to command somewhere around the Cooper cup, uh, Robert Woods, $16, $17 million in average annual salary per season, whereas Curtis, I believe you can get for 11 right? So 5 or $6 million less 
I mean, you're saving five or six million dollars in cap space per season if you go Curtis over Robbie, and you're also very likely to get a third round compensatory pick. So you're getting Curtis and a third rounder in exchange for letting Robbie walk, and you're also saving five to six million, maybe seven million dollars per year. So that's an option. And then you and then you just re-sign DJ Moore. And uh I think you may at that point be able to get Taylor Moten. Now, some of you Panther fans that follow me that are looking at the Panthers cap space and seeing that it's only about 11 million bucks, you're sitting there thinking, how the hell could they re-sign Taylor Moten, who Taylor Moten alone is going to want more than 11 million. Curtis Samuel alone is going to want at least 11 million a year. And the reason, and this goes back to yesterday's podcast with cap space over cash, that's definitely a part of the reason here. But another one of the reasons is because there are two guys that, in my opinion, on this Panther roster right now, at least two guys, that are very likely to be released. And that is beloved, deep, well, at least I love him, beloved defensive tackle, Kawan Short, who's getting up there in age. They can free up around $12.8 million by releasing Short this year. And if they do so by before March 19th, that is, because he is due a two million, his $2 million roster bonus becomes fully guaranteed on March 19th. But if they do release him now, they would save almost $13 million in cap space for the 2021 season. Now, more cap space can be created by just simply releasing a guy named Stephen Weatherly. Now, a lot of you that are not Panther fans may not even know who Stephen Weatherly is. And the reason you don't know who Stephen Weatherly is is because he got like six career sacks. For some reason, Carolina went out last year and paid this guy a decent amount of money, right? It's, it, it was like over $6 million a year or something crazy with a $4 million signing bonus. I know David Tepper's one of the richest owners in the NFL, and he doesn't give a damn about $4 million up front. But Stephen Weatherly was clearly a guy that, um, I don't know, didn't really, in my opinion, didn't didn't need a $4 million signing bonus. But I guess they really wanted him. He came out, and what did he do for the Panthers in 2020? Well, he played the first uh, nine games, missed the final seven. Over those first nine games, here's what he did for Carolina. Zero sacks, one tackle for loss. He had nine pressures, which, you know, I'm not jumping up for joy about. So that's an average of one a game. So this guy, um, if you release him, you will save about $4 bucks, 3.9, right around. If you release Stephen Weatherly, you'll have, a, you know, the dreaded dead cap or whatever of $2 million from the $4 million signing bonus that you prorated that over two years, according to the, as it pertains to the cap. But... In all reality, I think uh, the $4 million of cap savings is totally worth it for a guy that, you know, you, what are you going to project him for if he plays 16 games of, you know, one and a half sacks or something like that? I, I don't know. He's just not a very impactful player. And I even remember, I believe it was Brian Burns' brother. Don't quote me on that. But I think it was Brian Burns' brother was like basically calling Weatherly out on Twitter like, dude, who is this guy? And he just addressed him by his jersey number. Um, the point is, he wasn't exactly a fan favorite in Carolina after his only one season there. And I believe he will be a guy that they're going to elect to just go ahead and take the $4 million in cap space, roughly $4 million, a little under. So if they get, let's just call it $13 million from Kawan Short's release and, and uh, $4 million from Weatherly, that right there is $17 million in cap space. And if Carolina can somehow, some way, do what I believe they should do and put Teddy Bridgewater on another team via trade before the season starts, they can um, create another $13 million in cap space. Now, why why would they do that? In my opinion, they would do that simply because it would put them in the running to 
improve their football team from a cap space standpoint this year. If they if they're able to create thirteen million dollars in cap space from Teddy Bridgewater, uh, thirteen from Kwan Short, and four from the other guy, that's thirty million bucks, right? To go along with their already eleven million dollars, you're looking at forty forty one million dollars in cap space that the Panthers could potentially play with in this off season. The reason I think that's important is because well, they've got guys like Curtis Samuel, uh, Taylor Moten. To resign, in my opinion, I think that's what they should do. If they don't do that, they've got guys to extend in Robbie Anderson, and uh, you know, if if they want to go ahead and just sign, let me see my list of offensive tackle free agents here. We've got um, we've got a guy named Ty and Shecky would be someone that I think could come in and be if you want to just pay a little less money for an for an offensive tackle and still draft one potentially. You could bring in Ty and Shecky, guy from uh, free agent from Buffalo, I believe, and there's also. You know, Matt Filer, Cam Robinson, Julian Davenport, things like, you know, guys like that. So you could potentially go a little bit cheap on the offensive line in order to and let, of course, let Russell Okung walk. Because with Russell Okung, the best part about that potential there is if you let him walk, you're likely because he's in a left tackle that can play in this le- at, at a high level in this league, uh, even if he's injured or whatever, that he's going to get a pretty decent sized contract. If and when that happens, Carolina's going to get at least a third, I mean, a, maybe a fourth round pick, compensatory pick back in exchange for losing him. So when you, before you write them off about what they did with the Trey Turner trade, when they traded Trey Turner for Russell Okung, and then you're like, well, what point, was, that didn't solve anything. They Now they let Russell Okung walk. They're also likely to get back a third or fourth round compensatory pick the following year. So add that in as compensation for the Trey Turner trade. I don't think it's actually that bad because- if Okung was able to stay healthy, he would have been, again, a much better left tackle than most in this league are trotting out there. Most teams in this league are trotting out there. So I think um, Teddy Bridgewater would only be traded, to go back to that real quick, he's only going to be traded if they have a what they believe is a legitimate reason for that. And the, and the only legitimate reason would be if they acquired a quarterback that they believe is better than Teddy Bridgewater. You know, whether it be in the draft, which they could do that, but if they if they wait until the draft to, re- to trade Teddy, the problem with that is they would um, not have the cap space to use for free agency, right, if that makes sense. So they're not going to know if they have that cap space unless Teddy's moved off the roster. Something that's interesting to me is what if you were to tra- – like let's say – Let's say there's a team in the top five or top three, even I don't even know who the teams in the top three are. I'm just using this as an example. Let's say there's a team up there that's picking high that either doesn't want a quarterback or isn't uh, high enough on any of those quarterbacks to draft one. What if you just gave them Teddy to move up from eight to five? You know, so they basically take on Teddy's Teddy's uh, contract in exchange for swapping you three four five draft slots whatever it is so that's something that you know maybe that would work who knows but i think that they should try and get teddy off the roster somehow some way and if it were me i would even be willing to trade teddy bridgewater like for a solid starter at the at like an edge or you know just like a a decent starter somebody that's getting paid like seven eight nine million dollars a year then you'd still save four or five million dollars in cap space maybe even more than that so Somehow, some way, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, I'm getting Teddy Bridgewater off the roster because what you saw from him this past season is that he's not the answer long term, right? He had, like I've mentioned several times already, one of the very best trio of wide receivers in the NFL and a very much above average offensive line. 
And he still, I think it was like 15 touchdowns to 11 picks is what his numbers looked like at, at the end of the day, you know. So while the Panthers offense was good at times and it, it moved the football consistently, I just don't think Teddy Bridgewater is someone that you should be paying, you know, 17, 19, 20 million dollars, whatever it is that he's going to make this year too. So I think getting that 13 million off the books and saved and, and used for other better players would be something that I'm totally down for. Now, as far as my overall plan, if I were the Carolina Panthers, as it pertains to this uh, situation alone, I will do for every team with the breakdowns that you guys sent me for the free agents and the needs and all that stuff. You guys mostly have sent me enough to do um, most teams and I will do that, but I'll do a podcast episode on each team and, and kind of where I would go with each um personnel moving this offseason kind of a little plan for each team but only as it pertains to this one situation my plan for Carolina would be I'd re-sign Moten and I'd re-sign Samuel I'd get Teddy off the books short off the books and Weatherly off the books I'd have my 41 million dollars now so I'd be able to use let's you know whatever portion of that comes out to the 2021 cap on Moten and Samuel let's just call it 15 million because uh, I think you could do that with a good hefty signing bonus which we all know Dave Tepper's willing to do. And either this year or next year, I would re-sign DJ Moore. However, it benefits my salary cap situation most. And uh, as far as replacing, because you always have to, as Pat Kerwin says, replace talent for talent, right? Um, Russell Okum can be replaced by, and it's going to be by committee here. It's going to be by Greg Little slash maybe a draft pick. And it doesn't have to be a first rounder. It could be a second or third rounder as well. Slash a veteran free agent like Ty and Shecky or Julian Davenport. And a, uh, but to me, that's a solid plan, right? I think that that's what I would do. And I would have my future would be the guys I drafted, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore as my receivers. Maybe Robbie Anderson has an underwhelming 2021 season and you can sign him for 12 million bucks a year, in which case I don't think that's a bad move either. But also letting Robbie walk and getting that third round compensatory pick back for him next year makes sense to me because if you let Curtis Samuel walk, I don't I think it'll be more like a fourth round comp pick that you'll get back. So not that that's a huge difference, but it makes sense, you know, considering the money difference and et cetera, et cetera. But the most likely plan that just based on what I'm hearing and seeing from from, uh, you know, the Panthers organization, I think the most likely plan is for them to re-sign DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, let Moten and Okung walk and then draft multiple offensive linemen and even potentially also sign, you know, a guy again, like Ty and Shecky, Julian Davenport, or whoever they think in uh, free agency can be a value signing for them. So <clears throat> um, look, these are good problems to have, but I just want to touch on one last thing here. The other day I did a podcast about how to build the perfect team or whatever, something, it was called something like that, or sustainable winning franchise, whatever. The, and one of the points I made in that podcast was a lot of, a lot is made about like how you should go cheap and build to the draft, right? The Panthers in this draft class, they drafted Taylor Moten, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, Alex Arma, uh, Corn Elder. Maybe it wasn't Corn Elder. Maybe. So let's just go with these four, right? Four legitimate starters. And Alex Arma, for those that don't know, for those that aren't Panther fans that don't know, he is one of the very best fullbacks in the NFL. Okay, so... What do you have as a kind of consequence of having such a great draft this season? Well, the Panthers have chose to, obviously, last year they re-signed Christian McCaffrey, which is fine. He's one of the best running backs, one of the best players in football. So they're obviously paying him quite a bit of money. But now, if you're like, all right, well, now let's just re-sign Taylor Moten 
and Curtis Samuel and Alex Arma. Let me just run off the top of my head, give you an estimated cap charges for those guys. $15 million for Moten, at least an average annual salary. Uh, $11 million for Samuel. And then let's say another $6 million or so, $5 million or so for Alex Arma. I haven't exactly studied the fullback market. But the point I'm making here is Christian's at like, what, $17 million a year. Moten would be – so that's 32 with Moten. 43 with Chris, uh, Curtis Samuel, and then you're looking at $50 million in cap space because you hit on four starters, right? Now think about that. We always talk about how that's the cheapest way to do it, this, that, and the other. And now think about this. Signing, re, retaining Curtis Samuel over Robbie Anderson would actually be saving you money. So even with like not having to pay an elite wide receiver salary for Curtis Samuel, you're still allocating, if you keep the four guys you hit on from a draft class just three or four years ago, you're you're investing $50 million in salary cap, average annual salary at least, for those players, right? So it's not necessarily cheaper to be that damn good at drafting. Dave Gettleman deserves a ton of credit, by the way, a guy that gets highly criticized because when you draft guys like this that are going to command pretty decent salaries for their position – you deserve credit, right? So it's not always cheaper to draft these guys, even though you get them on the rookie contract for the three, four years, whatever it is that you get them for on that deal, but you've got to pay them. And a lot of times you've got to pay them a little bit more money when you draft them and then you you draft them high, especially there was Curtis Samuel and Taylor Moten were second round picks. They're gonna, they've become really good players. Moten is one of the very best right tackles in the NFL. So he's gonna want 15 to 17 million a year. Curtis Samuels can want 12 million a year, you know, 11 million a year. So these guys are hits that you're going to literally, most likely, you're going to watch Taylor Moten, Curtis Samuel, Alex Arma, and um, yeah, you're going to watch those guys walk out the door. You know what I mean? And that's, that's tough to have from an organizational standpoint. But that's the, again, the advantage of when you trade a draft pick for someone. Uh, an established veteran and you go ahead and get him on the books, it can kind of manipulate your cap situation to where you actually can fit more good players under your uh, financial ramification kind of thing. So I hope that makes sense. And um, yeah, so again, I'd like to see the Panthers re-sign Moten and Samuel and then let Robbie walk next year and uh, get the comp pick for him and get DJ Moore under contract because DJ Moore will also cost right around that at minimum the Cooper Cup Robert Woods deal but I think DJ will be more in the 18 to 20 million a year range so if you're paying in the long run if you're paying DJ more 18 to 20 million you're paying Curtis Samuel 11 or 12 million I think that that's a situation where it's a little bit more attainable or affordable than paying DJ 18 to 20 and then paying Robbie 16 to 17 you know and Robbie could even ask for 18 who knows I think that like that's just a little too much money at the receiver position, in my opinion. So that's what I would do. And uh, let me know what you guys think in the um, reviews. You can review me or DM me, whatever. And I appreciate your feedback and your listenership. And I'll talk to you later. Peace.